Awesome. Well, we've been, we've been doing a couple, like a three-week um, series about just kind of family values. And, you know, I was thinking, like, how, what, are we, what are we trying to do here? And so we've been talking a little bit about who we are. And so um, quickly, this is kind of our mandate. Um, Andrew, Andrew wrote this out. It says, our mandate is to ignite a deep longing and hunger for Jesus. Hear that. Maybe write this out if you're writing it out because this is, this is what we want our mandate to be as a church. Our mandate is to ignite a deep longing and hunger for Jesus. Man, if we could be known for anything, I, I would love to be known for a hunger for Jesus. Like, hey, what's Mountain Park about? They're hungry for Jesus. I was in a meeting with Brenda this week and she asked, she asked great questions. If you ever have... Uh, an opportunity to sit down with her. Um, she asked great questions and spirit-led questions that really penetrate your heart. She asked the question like, what do you wanna be known for? And I think if I could be known for anything, I would wanna be known for the hunger of Jesus. That when they see us, that they'd see a people who are hungry for Jesus. We may not have it all together, but we are hungry and starving for his presence. Then it continues and his spirit-driven formational work in, in us for the sake of the world around us. Man, I was trying to figure out, like, how do I explain what we're going through? And then, and then I thought about, like, elementary Alex. Elementary school Alex was, was, a, was a really cool dude. He loved baseball. He thought he was super cool, and he loved wearing baseball hats. But not just any baseball hats. He loved wearing the batter's hat. So I'd run the school halls wearing batter's hats. That's a vision, right? <laughs> I remember in, in uh, I, I was a funny kid. Like, I, uh, I really loved love music. It was really weird. Like, I was in love with boys to men. And for some reason, my mom thought it was so cool. And so she bought me, like, this is back in cassette tapes days. She bought me a Boys to Men cassette tape and I listened to it nonstop, just, just listening to love music. Like, mom, this is a bad idea. Like, you know, a grade one listening to love music is not great. And so I just, I, you know, I just loved love. And, and you know, I obviously, my dad had left, left our family and so there was, there was this desire to be loved. And, and so, you know, I had this girl in my life that I thought was really cool and everybody said that we should date. So I was like, okay, well, uh, I'm in grade two, so I just do what other people tell me to. <laughs> and so they're like, you guys should date. I'm like, I have no idea what that means, but yeah, totally cool. The only problem is I was in grade two. And I knew that the word date meant something serious. And so every time that she would come around and we were dating, I would ghost her because I was terrified. I, would, I just didn't even know how to talk to her. We were best friends, our family hung out, we played sports together, it was great. And then, she, and then we'd be like, I'd be like, oh, can we date? And then I just ghosted her. She'd call me, I wouldn't answer the phone. We'd have family things, I'd be like, I'm not going. Like it was so weird. And then finally, she dumped me. <laughs> who, who knew? I'm super, I'm much better at communication now than nowadays. But here's the crazy thing. 
You're supposed to be brokenhearted, right? When you get dumped. I wasn't. I was like, yes, I'm so free. I was like, boom. I like called her right away. Be like, hey, how you doing? I'm good. You want to hang out? And then I'm not kidding. Okay. I'm not kidding. Don't judge me. You can judge my mom a little bit, but this happened every year of elementary school. We were really good friends. And so we hung out all the time. And then every year, so grade three comes around and they're like, you should date. We're like, I'm like, yeah, we should. Of course, it worked out last year. Why wouldn't it work out this year? And then I'm like, okay. So then, so then we, we date again and I ghost her. I can't handle the pressure. I'm like, oh, this is too serious for me. I'm just not going to talk to you. Then she'd break up with me and I'd feel free again and then I would be best friends with her. Grade four, I'm not kidding, again. Grade five, yep, Alex is super smart. He does it again. Grade six, yep, happened again. Grade seven, yep, again, dated her, yep. Grade eight, no, because she went to high school and she stopped talking to me. <laughs> and so I feel like, 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 how can I explain what we're doing? And so we're kind of saying this, will you go steady with us? I'm just kidding. Like, will you, will you come into the family? We want to explain who we are, right? Like, you know how you date someone and then you start figuring out who they are and you figure out like, oh, I like you or I don't like you, right? And so what we're doing here is we're just kind of talking a little bit about who we are. And we're just saying, hey, would you consider being family? Would you consider not just saying, like, like us standing up here and saying, this is our DNA, but us saying, this is us. This is who we long to be. And so last week we talked about, or sorry, week one, we talked about the value we have for transformation. That we believe Jesus can change your life. For too long, what we've said is this, Christianity is behavioral modification. Just stop doing bad things, that's what a Christian is. Oh, and Facebook, all the things wrong with society. Yes, that's what Christianity is about. No, it's not. You know what it's about? It's about Jesus Christ. And when he enters your life, he transforms your life. And we believe that. We believe that to the core of who we are. We believe that for the person who gets saved and has never heard of Jesus before. And we believe that for the person who has been in the church for 25 years plus. And we believe that Jesus Christ can change our lives because he is so good. Then week two. We talked about the value, value of integrity. We are committed to character over charisma, godliness over gifting. Look, we do not value gifting above presence. Too often, we've been trying to produce something in the North American church, in the Western church. We've been trying to create an image of something. And we have to realize, I don't care about the image. You know what image I do care about? The image of Christ in your life, in my life. That's what matters. And so integrity, it has to, it has to, it goes to the first point, right? The transformation has to be here before it can be out here, right? Jesus comes in and transforms our heart and it's an inward change. It's not behavioral modification. It does change our behavior. But man, that's because of the love of Jesus Christ. That's because of Jesus is so good that we give up the things of this world because they're counterfeit and cheap compared to the love of Jesus. Amen? And then this week, we're going to talk about 
Or I want to propose to you this, that Jesus can change your life. If you're a first-time guest, I want to propose to you that Jesus can change your life. But not the concept of Jesus, okay? Too often we talk about him like he's a concept. He's not a concept. He's a person. It is the person and the presence of Jesus Christ that can change our life. So what we believe here is that the tangible presence of Jesus Christ in our lives transforms us. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read to you kind of what we've written out. And we believe this so much that I need you to know that Andrew has taken hours and we've put together an eldership team and they're going over this to really hammer out the, the terminology that we're using so that it's in our constitution, it's in who we are. It's not just something that like one week we say this and then another week we say that. No, 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 we're writing this into the constitution so that this is who we are. And so let's read it. Our desire is for presence over proposition, encounter over entertainment, and integration over information. If you wonder, Andrew wrote those. <laughs> you can totally tell, right? That's not an Alex saying. We'll get into that. Uh, and, then, and then Andrew, the way Andrew is, he's so awesome, he's so methodical. He wrote out a further explanation of what this means. So I'm gonna read it to you um, and I'm gonna stumble over it because it's so well written. <laughs> we value an exper experimental walk with Jesus that integrates his lordship in every area of our lives. We value the need to connect what is true in principle with what, with what is real in life. We believe that the kingdom of Jesus is meant to be experienced, felt, known, understood, and lived out fully, or lived out through the full spectrum of the human experience, internally and externally. We are hungry for the manifest presence of God in our lives and what it means to experience the love of Jesus. <gasps> I did it. But that's beautiful. And what I'm gonna do is take the next 25, 30 minutes to explain what Andrew wrote in one paragraph. <laughs> and so we're gonna break it up into three points. So if you're taking notes, there's three points. The first point is this, we desire presence over proposition. And when I was preparing this one, I said, babe, I have no idea what this means. And she said, actually, me neither. Okay, I'm gonna text Andrew. And so Andrew explained it to me, and he said this. He said, think of it as you're sitting down looking at a concept of a building. He said, I'm trying to find P rhyming words. This is the one that I'm the least, least love. <laughs> and so he said, but this is the concept. You're sitting down and you're looking at drawings for a building, and he said, but that's all you do. You never actually build the building and, and appreciate and live in the home. He said, this is what we do so often with, with Christianity. We accept the principles and we don't actually live them out. So here's, here's Alex's explanation of it. Ready? It says this. I said, I broke it down to two parts. It's him over his gifts and his principles. Too often we come to him when we're in need. I'm not saying we can't come to him when we're in need. He's our shepherd, he's our Lord, he's our provider, absolutely. But too often we ghost him until we need something. We need money, 
We need healing. We need these things. And so that's when we find him. That's when we come back to him. Until then, we kind of just let him sit on, on the shelf. That's not what we desire. We don't want the concept of Jesus. We want his presence in our lives. We want his engaged voice in our lives. We want him, not his gifts or his principles. And we do this all the time. We love the principles of Jesus. Like, how do I get a better life? Let's go to Proverbs and just learn all the things we can. But Jesus, don't invade my space to tell me what to do. We can see this very clearly in, uh, in Acts uh, 8, 14 through 18. Um, we can go there, actually. Let's turn with me. Turn with me there. You guys having fun? When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people in Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon them, on these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. And this is the point. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid hands on the people, he offered them money to buy his power. How often do we do this? You know, we read that story and we're like, Simon, you're terrible. What a heathen, trying to, buy, trying to buy God. How often do we do that? How often do we do, okay, so we don't try to purchase him with money, but how many try to purchase him with good deeds? You know, we sin, and then what do we do? Oh, I can't talk to him right now. I better get back on reading plan. I better do, do the things that I need to do to be right with God. You know why you're right with God? Because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, you're right with God. I'm not telling you to sin. I'm, that's obviously not what I'm saying. Please don't say that. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that the righteousness of Christ is yours because of the cross of Jesus Christ. We cannot purchase his power and his might in our lives. And so often what we do is we want his giftings, we want his principles, but we don't want him. And so we go back to the Old Testament way. We go back to the law. We want the law. Give me, give me a list of things I need to do so that I can be right with God. But really, we have Jesus to be right with. We have Jesus to live our life with. You know what's more intimidating? We go to the law because it's easier because there's a list. We go to Jesus and it's intimidating because he says, I want all of you and follow me. And that's intimidating sometimes. But let me tell you, in his presence, near him is better than his gifts. In his presence, when he walks with you, when he leads you, it's better than just his blessing. Sure, we want his blessing, but not at the cost of his presence. Let's not be a church that's focused on what he can give us, but let's be focused on what he is. And when he shows up, I promise you, the giftings are there because he is the gift. Amen? Number two, intimacy over information. Luke 7, 36 through 50. 
Mary and Simeon, the Pharisee, uh, Jesus is invited over to Simeon's house or Simon's house, the Pharisee, and they're having dinner and Mary bursts into the place and, and worships him, falls at, it, at his feet and worships him. And then Jesus tells this parable, right? He says, you know, um, all the Pharisees are up in arms and like, what is this woman doing? She shouldn't even be in this room. How, how are you letting her do this? If you really were the Messiah, you would know who she is. And then Jesus tells this story about how there was somebody who owed 50 and somebody who owed 500 and, and who would love the person who gave up the debt more and, and the Pharisee answers correctly and he says, obviously the one who had a bigger debt and he's, he's pointing out, you think you have a little debt and so you don't think you need me. And this woman, I've paid a huge debt and she knows she needs me. And we see that what what the Pharisees want is information. They want to know about what he can teach. Really what they want from Jesus is this. They want power. They can see that Jesus is a young rabbi who's, who's taking the, the area by storm and they're afraid they're losing power. So what they want is his information. They want to come to him so that they can get the information that they need. How often we do this? How often we focus on the information. We, we try to figure out how to have godly lives. Well, the best way you can have a godly life is, is Jesus Christ. Him be in your life. Intimacy with him is the most important thing. I wrote this. I'm not saying knowledge of God is wrong. I'm just saying that knowledge without intimacy is just information. Knowledge without information or without intimacy is just information. And can I say that we have far too many churches that were just filled with information? We want to be a church that's filled with intimacy with, with Jesus. We would know him. We would know his voice. You know, I could sit here and I could tell you um, I could tell you information about Steph Curry. I could tell you that he's played in the league for 13 years. Well, this will be his 13th year. He's won two MVPs, one, one final MVP. Um, I could tell you he was drafted seventh overall. But how much cooler would it be if I told you that Steph and I went to the same school and that we're actually really good friends? That last part's not true. We did go to the same school, but I was too cool to talk to him. Because I was a really good basketball player that was in high school and he was a junior high that wasn't cool enough for me. Really worked out for me. I'm not kidding, we did go to the same school. He was awesome, he was a little kid and I was just too cool to spend time with him. And so I was like, I just had to teach him one move. Do you know the coach, my high school coach still meets him in Detroit for dinner when he plays at Detroit? I'm like, you're living my life, man, you're living my life. So many of us have been in relationships, right? And we know the difference between a relationship that's intimate. And I'm not talking about sex. Get your mind out of the gutter, as my mom would say. I'm saying we can have friendships that are intimate. We can know people intimately. And there's a big difference, right? When you know somebody intimately, heart to heart. I looked up that word, um, intimate part, you can... You can switch it out for face-to-face. -face. 
If you can know somebody face to face. Man, this is what the Bible offers us. There's no other religion that offers the God of the universe that you can know face to face. There are so many others that you have to go through a plethora of methods to get there. Or you just simply have to be good and then hopefully it works out for you when you do meet face to face. Christianity says you can actually know Jesus Christ face to face. We don't want information only. We want the knowledge of God to push us into the intimacy with God. We want to learn about his love so that we can, ex- we can feel his love. Amen? Number two, encounter versus entertainment. I would explain it like this, meeting over a show or him over you. We don't want to come to church to be entertained. We have been deceived by Western culture. The church is not an entertainment center. It's not about the songs we like. And I'm, I am terrible for this. I don't know if you guys remember the song, Friend of God. Well, I used to stand in worship and be like, I hate this song. It's just so cheesy. I am a friend of God. I just felt like it was so cheesy. I was like, this is like a che- cheesy melody. I don't like it. And the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, who, saw, who is this for again? And I was like, oh, And I'm like, I love this song. Can we sing it more? I love A.W. Tozer said this. The world is perishing for lack of knowledge of God. And the church is famishing for want of his presence. Guys, far, far too often, my motivation to come into church is that I need something. I want something. Don't get me wrong. Jesus is so gracious and loving and he meets us where we are. But we should come not to be entertained. We should come to encounter the living God. This is the gift that he actually revealed to us since Genesis 3, 8. When he came to walk in the cool of the day and and most theologians say that this wasn't just because Adam and Eve had sinned. So um, Genesis 3, this is where the serpent deceives. 1 through 7 is where the serpent deceives Eve and Adam. And then what happens is God comes to meet with them in verse 8. And what theologians believe is that this was the occurrence, that he would walk with them. And you actually see in Genesis that they use this term often, that walking with God was, was to depict fellowship, intimacy, and closeness. This is the desire of our God. I don't know why, but for some reason he's created us for intimacy, closeness, and fellowship with him. And this is where we find our deepest meaning. And so as a church, we're saying, listen, we are going to pursue encounter with God over entertainment. We are going to pursue him and go after him. And we are going to do that in everything we do. So kids ministry, youth ministry, prayer times, uh, worship times. We are about pursuing the presence of Jesus. 
not about entertainment. We're not trying to figure out how to, how to be the best band. We want to do our best for him, but we are not looking to be an entertainment center. We are the church, the local body of Christ Jesus to worship and honor him because he's invited us into intimacy with him. So we want to invite you. Let us be a body that is about encounter over entertainment. I love this quote, A.W. Tozer again. I've been reading a lot of him, so there's gonna be a couple quotes from him today. We should come to church not anticipating entertainment, but, but expecting, oh wait, my wife told me to explain. Sorry, my, my thoughts jump. My wife explained, she said, Nobody knows who these people are that you quote, like A.W. Tozer. Sorry, A.W. Tozer was a great man of faith who preached the gospel. He wrote about 60 books, and he was known for the presence of God and people's lives being transformed through his ministry. Back to the quote. We should not come to church, or we should come to church not anticipating entertainment, but to expect the high and holy manifestation of God's presence. Worship is not some performance we do, but a, but a presence we experience. So what do we mean by encounter? Right, there's many things that we could be. Andrew wrote it as this in our, in our constitution, so I wanna read it again. You can put that slide up again if you want. I'm not gonna read the whole thing. We value the need to connect what is true in principle with what is real in life. That's a, key, that's a key concept, guys. We have all these concepts that we're like, yep, 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 in church, but we don't necessarily allow them to invade and penetrate our heart and live them. We believe the kingdom of Jesus is meant to be experienced, felt, known, understood, and lived out through the full spectrum of the human experience internally and externally. Guys, this idea that... that Christians shouldn't have emotions and there shouldn't be tears and we shouldn't get excited and we shouldn't have different things. It's not true. We are humans. We have emotions. In all relationships, we have emotions. Now, we are different people and so we have different spectrums of how we emote, but we should emote. And the way we love Jesus should emote. You should have emotions when it comes to Jesus. Let me ask you this. What would your life look like if we took these three verses and they weren't just verses we knew, but they penetrated our heart and they were actually real to us? Think of a memory you have of when you were loved. We can all have one, right? We have a memory of when we were loved. That's real to us, right? I can remember sitting with my mom and her caring for me because I fell over and I was the youngest child, so I was kind of a baby. But anyways, we'll move on. And she was loving me and I felt safe. But let's read John 3.16. You want to put it up there, Wes? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, this is what Andrew's talking about. We have these concepts that we, that we memorize, right? Most of us have memorized this. 
might, might have written it out, put it on a, a poster board in your, in your house. But what would your life look like if this love penetrated to the core of who you were? How would you live your life if you knew that you were fully known and you were fully loved? How would you live? How would that change how you understand God? If you knew you were fully known and fully loved. Let's go with Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. What would it mean to you if you understood that your love and relationship with God was not based on your actions, but based solely on his unconditional love for you? That while you were still a sinner, while you were at your worst, that thing that you are ashamed of, that you hide, and that comes up at like 2 a.m. and the enemy wants to remind you of how shameful you should be and oh, you'll never live this down. It, what, what would change if you knew in that moment Jesus saw you and he was willing to die for you? That's the love he has for you. And then what about this one? Yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Think of it. What if that just, it wasn't a verse that was just read to you but it was tattooed on your heart about how much he loved you. See, I, I told you guys that my dad left when I was younger and you guys might've heard this story, but I, I was wrestling with it. But then I was like, hey, listen, this is about the, te I'm testifying to the goodness of God in my life. So hopefully you're okay with, with testifying how good Jesus is. So my dad left when I was young and it really put a hole in my heart. Tried to fill it with Caitlin Kennedy, but that didn't work out. That was the girl I dated throughout. <laughs> and I realized that I started doing things. I played sports because my dad would come around. I tried to win approval by performance and it just never worked. I was never good enough. And you know, it even got into my Christianity, got into my faith walk where I try to perform to get God's love. You ever been there? And it got into my ministry life. Well, then the better I preach, the more he loves me, the more people who raise their hands. Oh man, that got really messy. I went through a really tough time. A couple of years ago, I went to this conference and they had this, out, they had this, uh, they had this um, exercise that you do. And you, you draw an outline and then you, you write down every lie that you've ever thought about yourself. Boom. And I've done this before, right? So I'm like, super cool. I'm like, okay, thank you. Uh, I think they call them coordinators. Coordinator, I'll do this for you, but I'm good. So I do it, I'm like, cool. Write them out, like, okay, write lies that have been spoken over you. I'm like, okay, boom, 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 boom. Here we go. They're like, okay, now stand there and ask Holy Spirit to write things. I'm like, okay, I've done this, Holy Spirit. I'll let you help me again. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> Right? Is that how we act sometimes? Just me? Oh. And I'm like, okay. 
So I'm going, I write the things, I write the verses. I'm like, hey, check me out. Look how many verses I know. <laughs> Not even looking at my phone. <laughs> right? And then I'm like, I come to one, write a verse. And he's like, okay, circle it. Whatever you, whatever you feel like the Lord's. I'm like, okay, just getting real. Like circle. And then literally I'm praying there. Again, I'm not super engaged at this point. And then it said, not enough is what I wrote. And then he just, he just spoke a word. He just said, you were always enough. And you know how the Lord works. He just likes to humble you in the most gentle and comforting way. The guy who was running the, the program was just different than me. Super touchy. <laughs> Called me brother a lot. And so we were, just, we were just different. I was like, oh, hey, man. And I know him and he knows me. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm in this group. <laughs> Thanks. And I'm like, okay. And at that exact moment, I'm not kidding. At the exact moment, he walks over to me as the Lord speaks this word. And I ugly man start crying. Like, and I fall on him. Like, I can't even hold myself up. The Lord just, like, he just penetrated my heart with such a real truth that I just collapsed. And this guy's like, yes, brother. I'm like, ah, come on. This is not fair. And he's like rubbing my back. I'm like, oh, come on. You, Jesus, like this, you're laughing right now. All of you are laughing. This is not, but, but honestly, it was such a shift of like, where I've carried this, like you're not enough. You're not enough. And your performance is what makes you enough. And the Lord spoke one word. And I ugly man cried, snot on, like, it, like he walked away and it was like, oh, I'm like, oh, nasty. <laughs> but that's what we're talking about. Where the concept becomes reality. It becomes tangible to us. Where, where he meets your deepest, darkest need and you find him. Let me ask you this question. What if your greatest wound or want was tangibly filled by Jesus? Think about it. Actually, close your eyes. Again, let's not make this conceptual. Holy Spirit, we're reminded that it was better for Jesus to leave this earth because he was sending the Holy Spirit says that you are our teacher and you lead us into all truth. Where in our lives are we so wounded? What is our deepest want? What if Jesus could meet you there and not just sit there with you? What if he spoke a better truth? and healed it, and you got to heal others through it. That's what we believe 
when we talk about encounter. We encounter the presence of Jesus in our tangible, real life. Jesus, I pray right now for every person in this place. I ask, oh Lord, that you would open their hearts. That they would move from concept. Lord, it's not like we're, we're evil and we're trying to do that, but we live in such a, a world that's about information and access to information that we miss the intimate nearness of others, but more importantly, of you. Holy Spirit, even now, just reveal your truth to, the, to us. Those who are seeking your truth, those who are seeking you, I pray that they would find you. 